Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message brought to you by Pastor Robin. See you at church. So this morning... We're going to read from the book of Luke, uh, chapter 7, from verses 36 through to 50. And I've entitled my message this morning, Attitudes and Choices. From verse 36, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with this fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. Verse 41, There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins... Hmm which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Heavenly Father, we thank you today that your word is truth, your word is life. Your word, Lord God, is your letter to us, your love letter to us, showing us the path to walk upon, showing us your great love for us, correcting us, directing us, showing us, Father God, all that we need to do in everything we need to do, Father. Father, I pray that you would make my tongue this morning as the pen of a skillful writer. Lord God, to portray the things that you want each one of us to take away home today. For those online to hear, not my words, but your words this morning, Father God. Lord, I thank you that your word is eternal. And I give you all the praise and all the honour and all the glory for it's all about you. 
in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I was really struggling this week with a lot of things that I had to do and um, being a little bit immobilised, I, I spent more time in the Word than usual, which is a good thing. It's always a good thing. Um, but when I came across this passage of Scripture, it really stood out to me and I just thought, I, in view of all of the things that are happening at Bridge City Church and uh, all of the stuff that's about to unfold and what we're about to launch as out outreaches and loving on our community through through the love of Christ. I really felt that this message was really appropriate for us today. Last week I spoke on Psalm 84 and walking through the desert and how when we walk through the desert God has provided an oasis for us to stop at and rest and then to keep going because we're all pilgrims and we're all sojourners on our way to, um, to heaven and our journey is to take as many with us as we can to walk in the path that God sets for each one of us. And so this kind of dovetails with um, what I spoke last week. So, so bear with me, we'll get into it, okay? You good with that? In chapter 6, Jesus spoke on being Lord of the Sabbath and healing on the Sabbath. He spoke on healing of the multitude. He spoke the appointment of the 12 apostles. He spoke about the uh, Beatitudes. He spoke of the woes, the seven woes. He spoke on loving your enemies. He talked about do not judge. He said that a tree would be known by its fruit. And he talked about building on the rock. When he said to love our enemies, he said to be good to to others regardless of whether they're deserving of that love and goodness or not, or whether we feel like it or not. So that was the prelude to chapter 7. And when we get into chapter 7, we see that Jesus again is at work doing the things that he set out to do, the reason that he came to earth, the three years of ministry from 30 to 33 before he fulfilled the great... um, the passion and was taken up through the cross to go home to be with the Father. In chapter 7, we see that the prelude is he healed the centurion's servant, he raised the dead man to life, he exercised demons, all in a day's work for Jesus. Isn't that amazing? He gave sight to the blind, he made the lame to walk, he gave hearing to the deaf, And he continued to preach the gospel to the poor. And he was spending his time in the company of those who were outside that good grace of God. He was spending time with um, people that were the sinners, those that were downcast, those that were, like all of us, in need of a saviour. Those who were not accepted into regular patterns and norms of society because that was the, the world that they lived in at that time. And many people were watching what Jesus was doing, seeing the miracles he was doing, seeing the love that he extended, seeing that he actually did things on the Sabbath, which was against um, Levitical law. And um, they were having trouble deciding, who is this man? Who is he? Is he really the son of God? Is he who he claims he is? Is he, um, is he just a, a man that's got a great gift? Or what, what is he all about? Was he sent from God or wasn't he? So there were lots of questions and questions around the miracles. And people could see the miracles that were being done by Jesus and thought that they were wonderful. But some um, that he associated with 
thought that they were terribly confusing. And how could this man who says he is the son of God be a friend to the sinners that he was associating with? Today in this passage of scripture, I want to look at three aspects of of what really stood out to me. The three people, the key players in this. Firstly, Simon, the Pharisee. Secondly, I'll talk about the woman who was the sinner. And then I want to talk about Jesus' attitude to everybody. And there may be some things that you can draw from it today. I'm praying that there'll be at least one takeaway for you to go home with and mull on and work with with Jesus. But let's get into it. So Simon was a Pharisee. He was a religious man. And he invited Jesus to his home. He was a doubter of Jesus. He didn't really know what to make of Jesus. But he was intrigued by him, just the same. In the world today, we see people that, yeah, I know about Jesus, but I'm really not sure whether he applies to us or whether he really was the son of God. And, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that was happening in those days is happening in the world that we're living in now. It's just packaged a little differently. Simon didn't know Jesus. He, he did all the religious things, so he was a religious man, but he had no relationship, no living relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. And for Simon, as a Pharisee, he was still waiting for the Messiah to come. He recognised him maybe as a prophet. Jesus came into Simon's house and he reclined at the dinner table. And while he was stretched out there, probably eating, this woman, she's not named, She's known as a sinner, a prostitute, probably came into the room and began, she promptly came in and began to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. And verse 38 says that she went so far as to kiss his feet and anoint them with ointment. Then verse 39, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner this woman is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So he sneered at the woman. He sneered at her worship. He sneered at her behaviour. He judged her. And then in his own heart, he judged Jesus for allowing her to behave in this manner. And I thought about this and I thought, wow, what an attitude this is. Here's Jesus, the Son of God coming into the home of Simon. Simon's allowed him to come in here almost as an object of curiosity. And Simon's thoughts really reveal what he was wrestling with. The fact that he was wrestling. If Jesus was a prophet that the people claim he is, he would know that you don't let women touch you. You don't let a woman like this especially touch you. And these days in, in Israel, when you go and you see the, the um, religious Jews in all of their, uh, it's like a uniform, black suit, white shirt, black hat, you know, the fur around it. We were told when we first went there in 2006, women don't even approach these men. They will not look at you. They will not acknowledge you. Um, because it's unclean for a man to look at another woman's wife and they're still living in that law. So that's bringing it back into the current day, which shows you the relevance of how the Jews are still waiting for their Messiah to come because they're living under law and we are living under grace. We are living in the grace of a beautiful God who sent his son to die for us. 
So this attitude that he was wrestling his with about Jesus, he was, he was saying, how can this woman be putting on such a display and Jesus not putting a stop to it? This is not okay. This is unacceptable. How can he be a holy man and allow this to happen? He should know better. <laughs> you see, the godly in those days don't associate with the wicked. He judged Jesus by his own standard, not God's standards. And I think the days that we're living in, so often we can fall into the trap of judging by our standards and our form of goodness rather than asking God to show us how he sees the ones that we're looking at. His heart for the lost, his heart for the lonely, his heart for the broken And as such were we, well I know I certainly was. And yet God in his grace and mercy stoops down and pours his love on us through the power of his spirit and by his son Jesus. How often do we look at circumstances and maybe not say the words but in our hearts do we ponder, do we judge, do we dislike and turn away and there's a time to turn away from sin, there's a time to associate with those that are in need and there's also a time where we need to discern what God is saying and sometimes we need to wipe the dust off of our feet and move on. But sometimes our contempt maybe or what we see around us it really offends our standards and do we take offence to some of the things that we see? Do we take offence to the heart of people who are so in love with Jesus that they really don't care what anyone thinks about them? But they just love Jesus. They just love Jesus. Sometimes we see things as two-dimensional. We see the picture in front of us and we need to stop. I'm speaking to myself. I don't want to be condemning in any way, shape or form. Sometimes we need to stop, draw back and say, God, how much do you love this person? What is the God potential in this person? What is my capacity to love this person in your love, not in mine? Just a question. I think in the days we're living in and coming into what we're about to launch here at Bridge City Church, we really need to be mindful of attitudes and choices that we make in dealing with people. Because as God builds the church, it's not going to be such a tidy place It's possibly not going to be such a quiet place. It's possibly not going to be such a... Well, God knows that. But that's not our job. Our purpose is to love with the love of Jesus in everything that he gives us to do. You see, time is short. We've got to work while it's still day for the night is coming when no man can work. God has shown us through his grace that we are his hands and his feet on this earth in this beautiful community of Murray Bridge and beyond through to the north, through out to the Mallee, through wherever our ministry reaches. But it begins in our local community as we reach out and touch the lost, reach out and provide help for them, reach out giving a glass of cold water in Jesus' name, whatever we can do, whatever we can do. It's time that we got motivated and I think sometimes 
Sometimes it's messy and we need to adjust our attitudes and say, Lord, in my strength I can't do this, but in yours I can. I wonder if the woman, if she had approached Simon, I wonder what he would have said to her. But she didn't. She went to Jesus. But if she said to, went to Simon and wanted to wash his feet, would, would he have said, like in Isaiah 65, um, basically keep to yourself, <laughs> don't come near me for I'm holier than thou. It's there in the word to read. And maybe he was thinking Jesus should say the same thing. But let's look at the woman. Let's look at the contrast. So we've got Simon, the Pharisee, a religious man, trying to please God through works, but not knowing Jesus, not having that relationship. And then we see this unnamed woman. She's not given a name. There's many, many thoughts as to who she may have been, but she's not named she was a Gentile, so that put her outside the camp even further. She wasn't a Jewish woman. She bought expensive perfume to anoint him. Maybe, maybe it's a foreshadowing of what was going to happen with Jesus' death. His body was prepared and anointed. I don't know. It was just. She stood behind him. She didn't come in front of him. She didn't get in his face. She, she stood behind him so as not to intrude. There was humility about what she did. She stood behind him and that's a symbolic, symbolic of a follower, someone who wants to follow Jesus. She began to weep and she showed a repentant heart. And the days that they were living in, the way of sitting at the table was then that the feet, they sat on their knees and the feet were partly behind them or they sat on their side. So the woman didn't look Christ in the face. She wouldn't have, but she came from behind him. And she did the part of a maidservant. And she washed the feet of her Lord. She fell at his feet. She kissed them. And some of this might make you feel a little uncomfortable. But this is a woman who had given her life to Jesus. Some of the commentators say that she'd sat under his ministry and received him as saviour and lord and she heard that he was going to be at the house of Simon the Pharisee and she just wanted to come in and just love on him because she was grateful and because she was thankful. She was broken. We see her humility. She washed that feet, those feet, those feet that were to be nail-pierced on a cross. She washed them. Unreal. She washed them with her tears. I think they were tears of joy, not sadness. I think they were tears of gratefulness. I think they were tears from her heart and her life that Jesus had saved. And then she fell at those feet and those feet that were sandaled and walked through all the dust and the dung. And she didn't care what she was what she was dealing with. And then she wiped her feet, his feet, with her hair, showing him great respect, a woman's crowning glory. She used her hair to wipe the dust and the dung from her saviour's feet. And then Jesus, what did he do? He began to tell a parable to help Simon think through the issue. You see, we've got Simon in doubt and wondering and thinking he's doing the right thing. And we have the woman 
who's lived a life of sin, who was a Gentile, who has received Jesus and has absolutely humbled herself. So one in doubt and away from him and one absolutely assured and in relationship with him. So Simon, he said to them, Jesus told the parable to help Simon think through the issue and though Simon gave the right answer, he still couldn't seem to make the connection. He still couldn't get his head around the fact that this was a sinful woman. The woman, on the other hand, she was finished with her wrestling. She'd finished with her doubts. She was over it. She'd figured out what a group of religious leaders were still stumbling over. She came to faith in Christ while they were still criticising, while they were still philosophising, while they were still religiosityising. Is that a good word? But her grateful love was the secret of doing much for Christ. The penitent woman showed far more honour to the Lord than the Pharisee. She honoured him. She gave him reverence. She gave him respect. She humbled herself. And I think when we receive Jesus as Lord, we make him Lord of our lives. We, we humble ourselves before him so that we can truly say at the end of each day, Lord, have I done what you asked of me today? And if I can say that, I'm happy. If not, I repent. You see, repentance is something that is not preached about much these days and yet repentance is the key to forgiveness that will bring us into the relationship and the depth of relationship with God that God wants us to have with him. You see, we can believe in the church. We can believe in rules and regulations. But unless we've got relationship with God, there's not one jot or tittle of the law that is, is passing away, but it's through grace, grace and faith in Christ Jesus that brings us into that relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, we're just churchgoers, we're just attenders, we're Sunday worshippers, we're believers in an aspect. We have, um, we can tick some of the boxes and yet Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's not of works that anyone should boast. For we, we, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Jesus turns to Simon and he says, There's a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. So what does Jesus do now? Jesus turns and looks at the woman, but he addresses Simon. Simon. Do you see this woman? Now, this is really important because Jesus isn't inviting Simon just to look at the woman as much as he wants Simon to really see her, to really see her motives, to really see her love, and ultimately to see that she is relating to the Saviour that he is still looking for. The woman could see Jesus and the Pharisees couldn't. The woman knew he was who he was, but the Pharisees couldn't. And by this parable, Jesus forces Simon to acknowledge that the greater sin that the woman has committed, the greater forgiveness that she has received, translates to a greater love for her saviour. 
And that's not to say that if you've only committed a few sins, you don't love Jesus as much. But it's to say that the depth to which we've been forgiven is, is a picture of the depth to which we can really aspire to loving God with all our hearts and all our souls and all our minds and all our strength and serving him and loving our neighbours and loving our community and loving the purpose that God has put us on earth for. The greater love that we have and the greater love that's related to the great forgiveness that each one of us has had is all relative to us receiving that forgiveness in Jesus. And it's forgiveness through repentance that launches us into a new day in him and gives us the opportunity that once I was blind, but now I see. Once I walked in darkness, but now I walk in the light of God. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Jesus is the door that we come through. It's not through philosophy. It's not through religion. It's not through any other thing, but through faith in Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus, that he died for us. His life was given for everyone who has ever lived, everyone who ever will live. And it's for us as we know Jesus to have that relationship with him so that we can shine for Jesus. We can work for Jesus. We can walk in the path that he sets for us each and every day for however many days our long um, ever many long our days are that didn't make sense did it <laughs> for how long we got <laughs> and just get on with what he's given us to do and if our times are short let us pack our life into those short times and if we go on to live a very old age and be past to be with Jesus let us pack our lives right through to the very last breath with serving God and loving him not with a form of godliness and denying its power reaching out to Jesus reaching out and saying Holy Spirit help me that I can be the person you want me to be help me to walk in relationship not judging not sneering not mocking being available being obedient to you Every day of our lives. And if Christ comes back and calls us in the rapture, we're ready because we're living every day for him. And that's what matters. So much judgment. And I see the church at large. I see what's happening in so many parts of the body of Christ. And I see what a distraction it is. And I see that it's taking away from the, the, the reason that Jesus died. I see that it's such a distraction and people at each other and seeing ungodly things happening. We are responsible for ourselves. We're not responsible for anyone else. Let us make the main thing the main thing. Let us not be diverted, discouraged or distracted. Let us continue in relationship with God through his Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk in all he's called us to do, believing that the days ahead of us are going to be fruitful and we're going to work at it with all our might. We're going to work at it like the servants God wants us to be, esteeming each other higher than ourselves. Amen. I've gone right off my notes here <laughs> and I've got lots. And I think God's really just been speaking to me. We've got to be real in the world we live in.
Not like Pharisees. Not like... Hmm. Not like Sadducees who believe there's no resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> Not being the couldn't sees, wouldn't sees, didn't see. Having our eyes open to the love of God, what he wants to do in us and what he wants to do through us. And building as team, building as community, making God's church a place, a watering hole, an oasis which I spoke about last week. Making it a place where those who are thirsty and dying and sick and needy can come in and receive all they need through what we're able to give in Christ. That's my heart. Not just a religious institution, but a living body of Christ that lives and exists and thrives to do God's will in our community. First in us and then extending out. So much to do, so little time, and yet we have absolutely the right amount of time in God if we build according to his pattern. Second Timothy 3, and I've prefaced this before, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, Slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. You see, there are all of those around us, but we are not to judge. We're just not to associate. We've just got to get on with what God's given us to do. We've got to love on each other, serve each other. Living our lives as if today is the last day we're ever going to live, but planning to die a very, very old age. I planned to be in a nursing home at 99 and I planned to be preaching the gospel to all the staff in there at the age of 99 if God should tarry. That's just me though. I don't want to waste a single day. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. And we can all say that. We can all say that. So what? What does that mean for us? Don't let your assumptions about God keep us from seeing Jesus in a situation. Don't let the things that we think or have been taught or uh, our mindsets stop us from seeing Jesus in any situation that we encounter. Let's look for the God factor in things. And if there is none, then it's a prayer point anyway. 
Simon had already made up his mind how God had worked and there are so many that think, well, God doesn't do that these days and yet God does. And the power of the Holy Spirit is being returned to the church in full. We will see signs and wonders following the preaching of the word. We will see the sick raised. We will see people being laid hands on and then raised from their sick bed. We will see the lame walk. We will hear the deaf. We will hear them shouting, I can hear. We can see the things that are going to happen. But Lord, Lord willing that he would use us in these last days that we're living in. In however long these last days are, let's work while we can. Let's do what we can. Let's not let preconceived ideas keep us away from God's absolute best for us and for our community. Let's not work within the restrictions that man would put on us. Submit to authorities, yes. But let's see with the eyes of faith. Let's open our hearts to the things God wants to do in us and through us. Like the woman, hearts full of worship for God. You may have great need in your life and yet look back to the day where you received Jesus as Saviour and Lord and look at how far he's brought you. The very fact that he has saved you is enough for you to live in gratefulness and thankfulness every day of your life. And yet he didn't leave us in the state we were in when we were saved, when we became a believer, when we came into the family of God. He's been working at us, working at us, working in us, working in us day by day. We're works in progress and he's not finished with us yet. That alone is enough to make us grateful and thankful and pressing into him in prayer for the things that we need, knowing that God is able, for nothing is impossible with God. But if we be about his business, he will be about our business. Let's not be religious. Let's be relational. Let's let our, our worship of God be real, like the worship in this place this morning. Guys, you are amazing. This team here, we pair back. We don't need the bells and the whistles. We need hearts of worship. We need hearts that are saying, Lord, I've come to meet with you this morning. And we do. Don't be afraid to express your love for Jesus because it's in expressing that love for Jesus that you enlarge your capacity to love him even more. Don't be afraid to say to the person in the street, God loves you. Don't be afraid to smile at the person in the street. Don't be afraid to say to the checkout operator, you're having a rough day, how can I help you? Why would you ask that? Because I love God and he loves you. Start to exercise those legs of faith according to your personality. Don't take on board something that is not who you are in God, but allow God to expand you and stretch you and take you. And I'm just about out of time, aren't I? I've got five more pages of notes. <laughs> um, don't let your assumptions about people keep you from seeing Jesus. Whether we realise or, or not, most of us have already decided this one God can get. This is my target because he's too hard. No one's too hard for God. No one's outside of the reach. doesn't matter how 
how broken. God is the healer of the broken. Amen. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. From that point in time, the Son of God has set this woman on a place where publicly they knew she had been forgiven, that she had faith, that she could go in peace and live her life despite what her past had been because the hand of God on her life dictated the future that he had for her through that relationship with Jesus. And we can all understand that to some degree. Amen. If God swells your heart with tears, let it out. If you want to fall on your face and cry, you do that. You might be doing it in your bedroom. You might be doing it in a quiet place. You might want to do it in church. But let out that joy as well that's in your soul. Because my God has saved me. Therefore, I will praise him till the day I die. Therefore, we will shout for joy. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous of the Lord. I was listening to Exodus on the way up here this morning. Shouts of joy and victory. Proclaiming the victory before we even see it because God has prepared a path that we can walk in. Amen. Don't be ashamed of how you feel about Jesus. Don't put on. You don't have to hold it all together. When you're in the house, you're in the family of God. When you're in your own home, be who God has made you to be. Love him. Worship him. Pray. Seek his face. Because we're going to need to be real the authentic church that God wants us to be in the days that we're living in. So religion or relationship? Did Jesus love the Pharisee? 100%. Did Jesus love the woman in sin? 100%. Does Jesus love the world? 100%. So no one is beyond the reach. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the power of your word. Lord God, that Lord, you've saved us. And for those who don't yet know Jesus, don't yet know that relationship that I've spoken about today, now's the time to reach out and say, Jesus, Lord Jesus, take my life. Receive me as your son, as your daughter. Forgive my sins. I repent of my sins. I turn away from my sins. I ask that you would take hold of my life, that I might come into relationship with you, that I might have known about you. I might have known some of the things that you've done, but I want to know you and walk with you now all the days of my life. Receive me as your child. Take hold of my life and make that path straight for me. I ask this in Jesus' name.
If you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, tell someone, get in touch with us. We'd love to resource you. We'd love to help you get to a church that preaches the full Bible. But for those of us who know you, Lord God, Father, you know every heart. You weigh every heart. Father God, you see every religious bone in our body. You see the relationship that we have with you. But Lord God, only you alone know the depth that you want to bring us to in you. You, Father God, can bring us, Father, through to an incredibly deep relationship with you. Father, we don't want, Lord God, to be bound by our past We don't want to be limited by our mindsets. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to fall upon our lives today and wash us, cleanse us, set us free from the things that hold us bound, set us free from the things that hold us captive. Lord, that you would speak by your spirit into our heart the doubts that we have, the fears that we have. Lord, that you would enfold us in your love like in Psalm 91, under the feathers of the Almighty. We take our rest in you. And Lord God, that you would prepare our hearts for the harvest that is coming, that you would prepare us, Lord God, to be the people of God that you are making us to be. Lord God, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Father, I thank you that perfect love that you give us casts out all fear. That fear involves torment and that is not your perfect love. But I thank you today for all that you're doing, for all that you have done and for all that you're about to do. I pray for my brothers and sisters and for those online today. Lord, a a resurrection life day for them. Father, that you would minister to every heart, every soul. Help them to snip off the things that are bearing them down. Help them to see through eyes of faith and through your word the things you want them to know and the plan for today. And I ask this, I give you thanks. I give you all the praise and all the honour, for Lord, it's all about you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 